0: find your purpose, or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you got to do is head on over to u That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest.
1: At first I thought, gosh, when I say no, it just doesn't feel good in my body. I'm scared to hurt other people's feelings. So I came from a place of people pleasing and then therefore putting other people before myself which eventually led to some burnouts, but I don't even wanna go on in that direction. It's strictly for think about what the word no means to you and why do we have a hard time saying it for those that are listening that could be going through this. And what's happened for me recently is that no is loving yourself and it's also loving the other person. It's giving them that permission to fail fast instead of stringing them along or telling them yes to something that you really don't wanna do or you really don't think is aligned for them, that's not a, a place of love. That's a place of taking, that's a place of being scared to hurt someone's feelings, but then ultimately you're holding yourself back and you're holding them back.
0: Hey friends, guess what? Obviously I'm doing a special little audible and bringing on one of my best friends yet again on the show. We have Sarah Pendrick here. She is a host um, for an incredible show on entrepreneur.com, interviewing successful people, interesting people all around the world. She's an international speaker and a winner of the UN award for empowering women. And in my personal opinion, she's a really good time and a magical person on Instagram to be following at Girl Talk Network. And I wanted to bring her on to talk about how to create your own stage and become a professional speaker because if there's anything I've watched Sarah do, it's have a lot of grace in being who she is and um, a lot of success in creating her own stage to become a speaker and her own platform. And I know a lot of you, whether you're a business owner or not, want you have a message you want to get out there and whether you want to monetize it and create a business off of it or you just want to get it out there, um, it means something to you. So I figured we could bring Sarah on. Um, And, you know, like I just said before we started recording, like, Jesus, take the wheel. Let's hope we can get somewhere. (laughs) She's like my best friend. This is going to be too funny. Sarah, hi. Thanks for coming on to this thing with me. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Just that in itself is like awkward. (laughs) I I know, right? It's like so (laughs) awkward. It's like, what do we do on a podcast? Like, we're ready to have a good time. And it's not necessarily in the form of this interview. Right. (laughs) Right. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> we're, it's going to be a maze. Um, those of you who don't know, you probably do see me with her all the time. Sarah, she's like a yes woman. So my, the nature of our relationship, what would you say, Sarah? It's like we just rage. Yeah, I mean, we're legitimately soulmates. <laughs> yeah. And I,
1: I am a yes person in general. But even when you – I was actually on a podcast recently and they were, I was talking about you because I was talking about how I sometimes have an issue being direct. And
0: you were like, hey, practice with me. Mm-hmm. I just,
1: yeah, but I just say yes to you all the time.
0: You just bring that out of me. So Yeah, but sometimes you're in your thing where you, like, don't want to ask for what you want. And I'm like, it's time. Practice. Write it That's down. True. Yeah, well, let's even start with that because I think you – one of the things I know just having you as, like, a best friend is, like, you are very generous. You go out of your way. And I think a lot of people listening, they say yes. And it's from, t- for two reasons, one, because it's a yes for them. And other times because they're scared to say no. So I'm curious for you having a successful business, like what are some, what are some tools or like, what are some ideas you have for everybody who, because you're working through this, like is afraid to say no. So my relationship with a no has changed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm
1: for a while. And it's going to be something, it's like a shadow part of me, right? Like I'm always going to be working on it. It's never going to go away, but practice makes permanent. Mm -hmm. So I get to practice it and I get to change my relationship with the meaning of no, Mm -hmm. because, and it's been a journey. So for at first I thought, gosh, when I say no, it just doesn't feel good in my body. I'm scared to hurt other people's feelings. So I came from a place of people-pleasing and then therefore putting other people before myself, which eventually led to some burnouts, but I don't even want to go on in that direction. It's strictly for think about what the word no means to you and why do we have a hard time saying it for those that are listening that could be going through this. And what's happened for me recently is that no is loving yourself and it's also loving the other person. It's giving them that permission to fail fast instead of stringing them along or telling them yes to something that you really don't want to do or you really don't think is aligned for them. That's not a place of love. That's a place of taking, that's a place of being scared to hurt someone's feelings. But then ultimately you're holding yourself back and you're holding them back. So when I now give feedback and I get feedback and I say no, and I stand up for what I know is aligned for me, I know that that comes from a place of love for myself, but also for the other person.
0: Um, okay. So kind of interesting, cause you're talking about saying no. And what I've found is that, and I kind of mentioned this before to anybody listening, but a lot of the times there's, like, an entire belief system we have, like, which is kind of what you're saying, Sarah, about saying no. And I found that people are really buying into judgments on themselves that usually comes from their entire life. Um, around, and, and usually it's a fear of losing something, whether it's, like, losing friends, losing respect, being seen a certain way, um, mm-hmm. and being able to stand and, like, loving yourself and saying, like, I am not what people experience with me. And if people experience that I'm rude or snippety when really it's just me saying no and that's how they hold it that's theirs and this is mine. And so I'm curious, like you, you're always on the, well, you're not always on the gram, but you're doing great on the gram on Instagram. And I'm curious how you deal with all of that energy, because I found for me when I was building an email list, putting myself out there, um, it was a a lot of energy. And so I'm curious, like, what do you do to manage yourself?
1: So again, and that's what I love. And these are conversations that you and I have all our are raging and funniness and yeah. snack incidents, Everyone knows about your snack incidents.
0: Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> but, you know what? Speaking of, Sarah, like, everyone listening should know last time Sarah and I were hanging out, it was three in the morning and I prank called the Olive Garden. So <laughs> this is like, this is the nature of this connection. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, like, how do you, but I, I don't know. I never outright ask you, how do you deal with this? You know, and I'm curious what your thoughts uh, are. We talked about this. Honestly, it's been a process. Mm -hmm. Everything, I look at
1: everything in life as different seasons, right? So starting my Instagram, I was just so laser focused because I found so much success in getting my message out there. Mm -hmm. So I was so focused on that that I don't think I even was aware at that time, and this was three years ago, aware of the energy of it. And then when I picked my head up from the hustle, I realized, wow, this is a lot of energy. You know, you need to be consistent. You get on, you get to be consistent. You get on, you connect with your audience. There's so many different comments. There's a whole world that it's a lot of energy and amazing. And then naturally there's a little bit of a draining energy. Yeah. And I don't have, I wish I could just say right now, like, this is what you can do to never feel this again, but it's just a constant thing that you're going to come up against and you get to give yourself permission to, even if you, like if when you follow me on Instagram, sometimes I don't post for three or four days. Other people that are like consistent content, like you can never not post. I give myself that permission that that doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And if that's what people need to do in the start of their brand, that's great. You can get an intern, you can get an assistant, you can always find a way mm-hmm. to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So, now, the place that i'm in, I do get a little bit of energy and i had a i've just been really doing a lot of deep self work and i haven't shown up on stories recently, which stories are so amazing. I would suggest anyone listening that really wants to connect and get their message out there and practice talking about their themselves talking about what they care about is to do stories because that's a way that people Get to know you and that's also a way for you to have your own stage and get comfortable talking about what you want to talk about mm, mm. and practicing um so i had this story about oh that's just it's draining i i already post you know it's a choice or your mindset so i was in this mindset of i'm not going to post i'm gonna have a break and then i don't i'm not going to show up on stories and then i realized, wow that's not in alignment with the brand that I've built or the woman that I am to say, who's saying it doesn't matter if I don't show up. So I'm saying to myself, if I don't show up in stories because I have this energy scarcity mindset, I'm just saying that I'm not enough and it doesn't matter that people don't care to see my face. And I just had this epiphany about it. Like I, everything's a choice. And when you're tired, you can be tired and you can rest when you're overwhelmed take a day off, take that time and get off social media. But the first thing that you could try is, Hey, is this my mindset? Am I making this harder than it is? Same with money and abundance. Now for me, it's energy. So my new thing is realizing there is abundance of energy and I don't need to play into this story that I've played into for so long that I have to have this amount of sleep. I have to do this. I don't have energy, so I'm not going to go on stories or I'm not going to post. To me, everything comes down to mindset. So that's where you can start discovering Interesting. and everything changes, in you my know, opinion.
0: You actually kind of also, like, touch on something, Sarah, that I think a lot of people go through, is, like, you have this identity for a really long time. Like, you built this Instagram platform. You have live events. And it's like, what happens when the identity you built, you're not that person that built that anymore? You know, like, I created my e-course on job hunting. And then years and years later, it's like, it's still a great course. And I'm not the girl who built that anymore. I've grown since then you're growing a lot. So I think it's a really interesting debate of like, how do you show up and honor the things you've created, but also honor the person you are today. Um, just interesting conversation. And and I'm curious just kind of for everybody listening for your story, like how did you get started? Because I know. That it's not like you just posted something on Instagram and it, con- it went viral and suddenly you had hundreds of thousands of people following you. So right. how does that start? Because days like today, I look at Instagram and you know me. I kind of am like befuddled by Instagram more often than not. <laughs> but like I look at all so of you guys. It's
1: so funny to me because you have an amazing Instagram. You show up so as you and you give so much value so thanks I I actually have never said that to
0: you when you're like I don't get Instagram I'm like I think you do (laughs) (laughs) well if you look at it like nothing matches like if you look at so Sarah and I were joking like Sarah's Instagram is like this beautiful creation of pink and inspiration so it's like the pink color tones and whenever Sarah and I drive past something pink I'm like look it's an Instagram location for you (laughs) whereas for me it's like a screenshot of like an ugly quote but the quote is really like meaningful content but like the backdrop is like, like vomit green. And like, I'm just like, I'm putting this on my feet. (laughs) Yeah. But look at the response you get to it because it's coming
1: from you being authentic to yourself. Like the quote, whatever it might be ugly or you think it's ugly, but (laughs) it speaks to people.
0: Yeah. I feel like I'm about to like brand up and get my shit together at the deepest level on Instagram. I think all of you girls like that we've been hanging out with are like leveling me up, which that's something that I know you're really passionate about talking about. So I'm curious to hear what your story was, how you created this and the role of other women in this journey and what it's looked like for you.
1: Yeah. So it's been a journey. I, I love talking about Instagram and I also really, really stress that I don't want people to overcomplicate it
0: Yeah,
1: because like anything. It could it's a choice it could really suck you in and discourage you and instagram's constantly changing i mean last week member was down for 2 days like it's just it's going to happen such as life so for me it's uh my same tips would apply to 3 years later but first how i got started i was just literally a maniac on a mission <laughs> i have had this idea i've always cared so deeply about women connecting and I've always, since I was younger, wanted to hold space for people to live in the highest versions of themselves and for their highest vision. So I didn't obviously understand that when I was younger, but one day, and this really speaks to what you do, Ash, like I was hustling. I got, you know, I went through school for psychology. I was like, okay, I'm supposed to do this. All the supposed tos, I will be sitting down, having clients, I'm going to go get my PhD, but I still had this feeling that that wasn't exactly what I was meant for, but I knew I was meant to help people. Mm -hmm. So I did all the schooling, found, figured out like, Hey, this really isn't for me. So I picked up and I moved from Nashville to LA. I had no idea what I was going to do. I felt, you know, I had the whole story. I don't even remember how old I was, but twenties. So I was telling my whole story about how I'm a failure because I did all this school and now I'm not doing what I went to school for. I'm now I'm just picked up all my stuff, literally left my apartment and my family had to pick up my, like, and I didn't come back from a trip in LA Mm. and I did anything. Like, I think I was trying to be like in pharmaceutical sales. Like I was just like, I'm just going to make it here. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I figured out, Hey, I'm really good at PR and marketing. This is what I did in school. I worked in nonprofits with events. So I kind of just married together what I like to do. And I started working in fashion and PR and marketing. And then I started taking on music clients and that was great, but I still wasn't fulfilling what I knew I was on this planet for. You just feel that void. Like maybe you're making a lot of money, but you're still not fulfilled. So, I, and I don't know, maybe this is a pattern of how I deal with things. I'm not sure. It just so happened that all my contracts with my clients were coming to an end. And this idea that I had been thinking about and thinking about, and I wanted to do this was girl talk mm-hmm. and it started with an event. So I funded my own event. I ended up like hustling and getting sponsors so I actually monetized it. But at the beginning, I was like, "Hey, this is what I'm going to do. Nothing's going to hold me back. I'm no longer doing PR and marketing. I'm just going to have an event for women supporting women." Legitimately, that was my mindset about it.
0: Mm. So interesting. Like I mean, I think people think of these ideas, but the thing that's so good about you, Pendrick, is that you you're like, "All right, I'm doing it." It's like the the bridge of time between like I want to do this and I'm doing it is very small. Uh I'm curious how you created that kind of mindset because everybody listening right now, you know, us talking about like how to create live events, how to create your own stage, how to get clients or how to get your message out there. I think there's usually a really long bridge between I would love to do this and I'm going to go do it. And on that bridge is all of these thoughts of like, who? how am I going to get people to show up? How am I going to make this happen? So what do you think it is about you that, made you feel so empowered to just keep moving?
1: I I mean, it's, it's a practice, you know, to me. And I thank you for that acknowledgement. And I want to, I want to be a woman that does that. I want to take a leap. I want to take risks. I really believe that when you take risks that you get reward. So but in my perspective of myself, I didn't just take the jump like that. It sounds like that, but I had really been thinking about it even longer than I had said. It was something in my mind that I kept thinking about. And so I'd wanted to move to L.A. for years. And so even the way that I just jumped and did it, I could have maybe done it a better way. Like, hey, family. Um I'm planning on moving. Let me give you some month notice. Let me get out of my apartment, not just never come home. (laughs) But what I do now is I embrace it because I don't want to have any regrets. I don't want to live in this idea and then never make it happen and have no answers. And then something happen. you know, life is a gift and you never know what's going to happen. And people always talk about what, What are your regrets on your deathbed? And that's how I have this mindset that, hey, I have this download in my body for a reason. And it's a practice Mm. just to remind yourself and talk to yourself and be like, hey, I have this idea for a reason. How could I make it happen? Sometimes you don't you don't have to go all in.
0: You can figure out a plan. Mm. That's so interesting. And kind of like so let's say somebody who's listening right now. They're in corporate and they want to do a live event for some sort of cause that matters to them. They want to become a speaker and make an impact or maybe they're listening right now. I'm thinking, wow, I've never really thought about me being a speaker, but that would be really magical. Um, What are some steps that somebody could take, whether they want to turn this into a business or they simply want to get their message out there? I know we'd started kind of writing some stuff down before we started recording and you said start with an end in mind. So I'm curious like what that means for you and what that can mean for anybody listening. So this is a great tool
1: that I use for anything that I'm developing, planning, no matter what career path you're on or what you're doing in your life. It's such a great state to start from because once you know what the end in mind is, you can do anything. It seems so much easier because – You know why you're doing it. You know what you want to accomplish. And then you really just fill in the blanks. It's like a map. But you're starting with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. And that's how I started with my event, which I love sharing this because the theme of my event was women supporting women. And I would go and try to get partners. I would tell women about it. and people, This is so funny. People would ask me, what does women supporting women mean? And I was mind blown. Like, what? And now it's a viral hashtag.
0: Wow. So if someone's
1: listening that has an idea and they're like, oh, it's, you know, that's silly. No one understands it. Or people tell them, what does that mean? Go for it anyway. Mm. Because you are going to have regrets if three years later, it's a viral hashtag and everyone's talking about it. And you're like, wow, I should have been a part of that. I could have been a part of that.
0: Wow. So, so interesting. Okay. So when you start with an end in mind, so let's say somebody right now is listening and They want to, you know, start a business where they help, you know, women overcome divorce or they start a legal, a law firm, you know? Yeah. What would, so so the end in mind would be clients. So, what would be the starting point? Like, okay, I'm going to do this. They're like sitting in their desk right now listening, like, I'm going to do a live event. Then what?
1: Okay. So, for me, the end in mind with, that would be not only clients, but also what do you do every day with your clients? How do your clients feel? What does your life look like? And just have fun with it. Okay. Write that okay. down. So then if you're going to specifically, I'll use my, what I did as an example, I wrote down and was a super unapologetic about how I wanted the event To not look like necessarily, but how I wanted women to feel. And I would imagine that while they were at the event, Mm -hmm. what did I want to create? What did I want to have them when they left that how they feel? So it's really simple. It was, I want them to take their armor off and connect with each other Mm -hmm. And in that, in that moment, I was doing a cause for bullying. So connect with when we've all been bullied at some time in our life, I would literally imagine the women being there and then how they would feel and the opportunities that they would get after the event. So that's where I started with the end in mind for that. Mm -hmm. And then I got started with the big rocks rather than like, what are the napkins going to look like? All of that, the things that mattered, the Mm -hmm. things that people would remember. And that's what I worked on first.
0: Okay. And, like engineering. and then what, okay. So you think about like, you make, you come up with a vision of like, not only what the experience will look like, but how it's going to feel for the people there and what the conversation will be like, what you're connecting on. Um, so let's say yeah, sitting right uh, now and thinking about that. Oh, talk to me. I was going to say, because,
1: you know, if you're starting from a blank canvas and you just have this idea, it's, it's harder. It seems harder. And you can overcomplicate it. So if you thought, if you start that way and you're like, I want them to feel really empowered, I want them to leave and have connections, it's like, okay, this is what I want. How do I do that? What exercises? What do I talk about? And it's easier to plug those things in rather than starting from a blank canvas.
0: So good. Okay. So I think, you know, somebody's listening right now and if there are anything like I was in corporate back when I worked in counterterrorism, it was like I was at my corporate desk like Thinking of ideas, but nothing felt possible because I think when you start a business, you get a lot of momentum and then suddenly bigger things feel more available. To me, like a live event feels like, wow. And so the person starts with an end in mind and then they start thinking, you know, your second thing was a venue. Um, So how do people wrap their head around this? If Maybe they want an event of 100 people, but they don't have a lot of money or they don't really understand the world of like event venues and spaces and the whole thought of how to get, how to get people there. So what would be the next step when it comes to somebody coming up with a vision and seeking out venues?
1: So same thing. It's all what type of room do you want the event in? So keep on theme with what you first started with. Mm-hmm. Cause they're going to feel that when they're in the room mm-hmm. and then you research. You find the answer. You can find any answer. We overcomplicate. To me, finding the venue is the hardest because that's the most back and forth interaction. And I don't take no for an answer. I'm not just, I don't just call and say, hey, and they're like, yeah, this is the price. These are the only dates available. I do the negotiation. So that takes at least a month Mm. going back and forth. They can, what else can they give? How can, how can you enroll them in your cause so that they give more or they let you have more time or whatever it is, you, like I said, maniac on a mission to make this happen.
0: Mm. So what are some things that people could consider as they're putting together their first live event and they want to enroll the, like, first of all, who's the point of contact at the venues they should be reaching out to and how do they connect with that person in a way that inspires the venue to give more?
1: So this is a great question. Um, you reach out to the event coordinator so you go on the website, find the event coordinator, where it's like events, it's going to be there. You'll find it again. Another thing that people tend to overthink, um, that's always one of my main questions. When I was just helping a friend of mine put on an event, they're like, well, what do I do? I'm like, you go on the website <laughs> and you look for the events coordinator and you reach out to them and you email them and you let them know why you're doing this event, why you're doing the event. The importance of it, what it's gonna cause in the world, and then why does that venue wanna be a part of this? Mm. What value are you giving to that venue? That they get to be behind, that they get to have what demographics coming in? What do they get by working with you for mm, the event?
0: That's interesting. And um, so let's say, you know, somebody right now, they kind of think like I have this cause I'm gonna do, or I wanna get clients. You know, Maybe it's somebody who is a lawyer right now and they want to leave you know, their law firm and have their own firm and there's some sort of message in their event that they want to do to get clients or whatever have you. So they're contacting venues, whether it's hotels or otherwise, talking to event coordinators, talking about how powerful what they want to do is. And then they get a price tag, and it is like so beyond because I know that live events can cost a lot, and you are a little unicorn, Sarah, because I know that you're not spending what a lot of our girlfriends are spending for these live events. So I'm curious to hear. And, and by the way, I just like smile as I say this because it's actually really funny to me when I think about like the amount of price tags people have texted me in our group of friends that they're like, Yeah, my live event costs 150 grand. I'm like, You should have called Kendrick because she got paid for her. So. Can you explain like, how do you, how do you shift that?
1: You know what's So I'm having like a moment of realizing, especially how we started this, how we talked about my fear of saying no or being direct. Yeah. So I just jumped head first. This was like when I was deep in that fear, like even worse than what you know of me now. Like, and I wouldn't take no for an answer. So I, I look for it as an opportunity to practice. What's the worst? You're on email and someone says no to you. So what? Yeah. So it's also just so amazing for personal growth too. Yeah. But so for um, some okay, say that again. The last question because I know I just
0: went you on like a little. How, how did you manage to be a little ninja and get most of these events paid for? Because, like I said, you know, like how many texts have I gotten of our friends who are doing seminars of a hundred, five hundred, or a thousand people, and they're literally spending hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Of on their so
1: family. my experience is. Many times, people take the first answer that they get. They don't think, well, hey, I can work with this. But in anything in life, you can negotiate, you can enroll someone. So the first answer that they give you, of course, I've had people that, oh my gosh, I've had people I was negotiating for like two months, and like, yeah, we're gonna do it, and then they said no. So that's a whole nother lesson. Like you have a time frame, like. You don't need to be talking to a venue for two months about pricing. You're actually wasting your time and time is money. So for me, it's just, don't be scared to ask. Mm-hmm. Be like, Hey, what can you, what can you do? What can you work with? Because, because this is the value that I'm also bringing you. But so it's we, like net rolling game about
0: that. Like the value I'm bringing you. Like, yes, it's a good cause. So you have women supporting women. I mean, nobody wants to, it's just an asshole move. If somebody's on the phone, they're like, I don't support women. Like, obviously (laughs) you have a pretty good vision. Let's say it's a lawyer who wants an event on, you know, like, let's say it's a lawyer on family law and they want to do an event on divorce. And, you know, so it's like, what, like talking to the hotel person being like, this (laughs) person of the world goes through this and I want to help them kind of thing. Yeah, so it's literally tapping back into why are you a lawyer?
2: Mm-hmm. What
1: what impact do you want to create in the world? Why are you so passionate about being a lawyer? Why are you passionate about divorce? Mm-hmm. You have no idea the person that you're speaking to, maybe they're going to a, through a divorce right now. Someone in their family is going through a divorce. People's hearts, they want to be connected to a cause, so you enroll them in your cause. It's not just a lawyer having a corporate event. Mm,
0: got it. Okay, and then let, and let's talk about sponsors, because that's something that you, I know, also use, and that was something we talked about before we started recording, that are a tool for you to further your live event, get it paid for, and to have people learn about great vendors and stuff like that through having sponsors. So I think this is actually a really powerful topic, even beyond live event. It's just the concept of sponsors. Um, I think it's really empowering if an entrepreneur is listening, a entrepreneur is listening, or even somebody in the corporate world who's planning something for their company is exactly. like what? It, what do? How do you even get started with sponsors? So
1: same, same, similar thing is enrolling and going in partnership with sponsors. What does the sponsor want? Mm-hmm. What What type of people do they want to experience their brand? The sponsor has a message. A brand that's successful, they have a reason that they started their brand. They have a mission behind it. So find out what that is. Don't just email or call them and be like, "Hey." I know you have money. Would you like to sponsor our event? You're enrolling them in what you're putting on and you're going to be in partnership with them. Mm -hmm. So for me, I started off, I wanted to also highlight and showcase brands that were doing good for the world, that were healthy, that were women owned. I wasn't just like calling any brand. Mm -hmm. And even now went like I don't want to shout out any brand names, but if X comes to me and I'm like, that's really not aligned, but they'll give me a lot of money. I'll think about where could we be aligned? Mm-hmm. And if we're not, that's okay. Again, abundance. There's another brand that, that matches up. But maybe, there's a lot of brands that you can, you get to enroll and you get to be part of changing the world and having people from all over be in partnership with each other because you get to enroll them in your cause and be like, hey, have you ever thought about this? Do people that drink... X, what are they like? What do they do? You get to meet them, you get to stand for them, whatever it is, it's all about an enrollment game. And getting them into your vision of why do they wanna be in partnership with you for the event? And what what value do they get? Mm-hmm. Do they get are okay. your event their demographic? Is it something they want to tap into? Questions like that.
0: Got it. Okay. So when you're kind of thinking about these sponsors, I would feel, and you know, I was talking to somebody this weekend and I think I've said this to you, Sarah. It's like, I think there's a level of visualization and magic that comes with being an entrepreneur or even just an intrapreneur, somebody in the corporate world who has a really big vision for their company. But there's like this weird tipping point where it starts to feel like a delusion. Like fire festival, you know, where it's like, this is all going to happen and it doesn't. So I'm curious, kind of like, for anybody listening, I can imagine right now that they've gone through these steps. So number one, they start with an end in mind. So, you know, maybe we're talking right now to the lawyer or the marketing professional who wants to create a live event to get clients and they have a message they want to get out there. You know, like, like, let's say there's a marketing coordinator at an ad agency listening and she's like, wow, I would love to teach women marketing so that they could get themselves out there and I understand it so well and I would love to get clients. It's like they, they really visualize, they come up with the end in mind, they start contacting event, uh, event coordinators for venues, they really enroll them in the power of the vision and what's possible if they allow them to host the event there, um, they negotiate as much as possible to get the best price tag, um, and then they start talking to sponsors and enrolling them in a vision. And then they're like, okay, wow, I have people paying for this. I have a venue. Holy shit. What if nobody shows up and I've got all these, like, vendors? You know, I I mean, to me, I already have anxiety thinking about it. Whereas, like, God bless you, you don't. Like, you've crushed this. So I know you were saying before we started, don't overcomplicate it. But the thought of attendance feels so scary to me um, for anybody listening. So I'm curious, like, how can we give them some actionable tools and stuff. Okay. Like that. Yeah. So
1: first of all, I definitely like I'll be into my event planning process for my next event this year and I will get anxiety about it. Anyone will. Anyone throwing an event, no matter what, if your event sells out every year, there's always a little thing that pops up of the what-ifs. And it could be for various reasons. It'd be worthy of it, whatever it is. I don't want to over like it to get into that, but what it comes down to is a little bit of a, of a belief, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, maybe I, I like my event's not relevant anymore. Maybe, like, is this the year that people don't care about it. So that's always going to show up. And then again, that's just the mindset work and getting back on to, cause you're making it about you. Mm-hmm. So that's like, even when you're getting sponsors, when you're having people come to your event, when you're talking about it, you'll start going in and, you know, making up stories and going in a story loop. And that's where you focus out. Why am I doing this again?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So for, this is what I did for my first event and I love sharing this story because I I believe that people get to experience that if I can do it, they can do it. When I share this, I didn't have a girl talk Instagram. So I started it a few months before I probably had 500 to a thousand followers and I sold out my first event.
0: Oh my God. How is that real?
1: Okay, so all the steps that we just talked about, so this and then it
0: pops the balloon. Like anybody listening with like 700 followers, it's like, okay, you have no excuse now. Pendrick did it. You can do it.
1: Yeah, you can do it. You can enroll anyone. What if all 700 of those followers came? If you have a low amount, they're probably even more engaged and they know you personally. So start with them, start with low hanging fruit. Wow. So what I did, I did that. I enrolled family and friends. My family from Nashville came out to help me. They were excited. I enrolled them into why I'm putting on this event, not just like, hey, I'm putting this mixer together, and can you come? It's a constant enrolling, but from an exciting place and from a giving place. And then I got the community involved. I had it where I live in Manhattan Beach, and I got the community involved. I got up, I walked to places around and got them involved and then they brought friends they had friends buy tickets they told people in their community about it and i had almost 300 women there and that was capacity
0: wow so how how do you approach your followers on instagram or how do you talk to them or even on facebook people's personal facebook page and did you sell the tickets or was it free for them to attend and the sponsors were paying for their eyeballs no i sold the ticket how much was the price of a ticket for your first event And I don't remember what VIP was at that point. Okay. And I want to ask you about VIP too, but like, so talk to me a little bit about like, okay, so you're talking to sponsors, you've got your venue, you've got your date. How far out did you plan it?
1: Three months. But right now I'm going on a five month just because the events obviously evolved. Like you asked earlier, which I want to get back to is as you evolve and grow. Um, at that time I planned, I started the planning process, uh, three months before. Mm. Oh, I forgot the biggest thing. Pick a date. Cause once you pick a date, you're in commitment to it.
0: Mm. Okay. And I mean, I know that these venues sometimes require a down payment and they can be really pricey. So I know that you can negotiate and enroll them in your vision, but you still need to make quite the payment down. And before you get started with your sponsors, right? So you're mm-hmm. putting yourself to a date, you put a payment down. I mean, this literally feels like fire festival to me. Like, you know, like it's like we're doing this. It's going to be the biggest thing in town. And then you got a rage. So tell me, with your you know 500 to 1,000 Instagram followers, your Facebook, how did you communicate with people and how did you get people excited to buy a ticket? Because I think it's one thing for people to even just set aside their time, but for them to click the buy button and show up for something is really powerful. So what is it that you think you did that really connected people to actually activating?
1: So I just... I knew that there was a need for the the event. Mm -hmm. So again, it's hard. I I wish for this one, I had tangible. It just comes down to knowing that you have that idea and it keeps eating at you for a reason because there's other people out there that want to do it. So I didn't even now when I start promoting, I'm I'm going to talk about it on Instagram, of course, but I'm also going to be personal and be emailing my list and making phone calls and talking to people and not just throwing it up because it is it is personal. Mm. It's it's a, something that I want to do to bring people together to make impact women, women thrive off connection. So I'm very, very focused and passionate about why I'm doing it. And I truly believe, and I have seen this, and it's just a matter of making the choice to do it is when you're really passionate about the event that you're throwing, you will make
0: it happen. Oh my God. And like, I don't know, it's just so interesting to listen to you like this Sarah, because this is definitely not my zone of genius. Like I did one event, like I said, before we started recording and it's like a hundred women showed up, but I had an email list that I'd built over time doing other things. So um, what some- a, not to interrupt you, but that's actually a really good
1: example is I've seen people that do have so many followers that are putting on an event and they're like, Hey, that was, it's harder to sell tickets than I thought. Like, what's going on? Do you have any advice? And it's like, because that's what they were using in my experiences that that's what they were using as a crutch. Yeah. Like think about Instagram stories, like people are flying by, like you have to constantly be loud about it for them to, oh, I just saw her talking about this 10 times and I just realized and it was an event. So getting personal, getting out there and not just focusing, not just relying on your Instagram or on your social.
0: So it's like sometimes people feel this false sense of security planning it because they have some sort of asset. So it's almost like it served you not to have that. Yeah, so that's
1: on that spectrum. And then the other side is the people that don't have that, so they think they can't
0: do it. Wow, so interesting, chicken or the egg. Okay, Mm -hmm. so what are some ways that people could talk to the people in their life? So let's say right now, somebody listening is like, you know what, I'm gonna do an event with 50 people. It's gonna be on like how to overcome your divorce. I'm in a divorce lawyer. I'm probably gonna get some clients. I'm gonna start a private practice off of this. And I care about this message and I want people to come. So they're charging Two hundred bucks or whatever. They start talking to sponsors. Um, is there a, a group of people that's too small to be talking to sponsors, like, or will sponsors always be interested if you have a certain level of audience?
1: Um, so, I, in my experience, I've done smaller meetups. I did for a while in my first two years of getting started. And sponsors, they want to be involved. They definitely would do trades, and you know, they get to have your fifty people try their whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So they definitely would do that as far as like, um, and monetary terms. Um, it just depends okay. because what else could you offer them? You just to get creative and then you get in partnership with them because you know what they want. It's like life. Mm-hmm. What do they want? Mm-hmm. What value, what are they looking for? And you create that part for your event. It's part of the process. It's part of the creation.
0: And, and also, you know, just kind of thinking about sponsors, like, is there a certain point of contact that you reach out to for those who are listening right now that want to get sponsors for their live event?
1: Yeah. Um, many times it's their PR mm-hmm. marketing, mm-hmm. or sometimes all you can find is an info and you write the info and you ask who can you connect with? Hey, I have this amazing event that I'm doing. Uh, it would be really valuable for X. Who do I talk to? Where you DM? Mm.
0: Jeez. Okay. And when you are talking to people about your passion, I can imagine somebody with like 500 to a thousand followers, they're posting about it. They're doing stories about it. And maybe they're not hearing anything. What are some things they could do to tip the needle where people suddenly start responding to them?
1: Social media?
0: Guys?
1: Yeah. And it's all an enrollment game. So it's the same as if you would ask Bucci about content, right? Like mm-hmm enroll them into it. You post about it and you grab their attention as to why they would want to even go to something like that. So it's not even about the event like, "Hey, on April 23rd, we're having this event called blah blah blah." You first get their attention about why are they craving something like this? So you do content to get grab their attention. Maybe they see it a third time and they're like, "Oh, okay. I should be at this event. This is the third time that I've seen it. It's also having patience to know that people really do need to see something a few times Mm -hmm. before they pull the trigger. And I do believe in urgency. I definitely believe in urgency, especially if you're throwing events in cities where there's so many things going on. Mm -hmm. So early bird, um, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. Some some slight of urgency and FOMO. I will always believe in urgency and FOMO.
0: <laughs> okay. So meaning like, you know, early bird pricing, like what are some ways that you create urgency?
1: So creating the urgency would be, yeah, different pricing. It's so, this is something that's so, um, interesting that I've experienced is many of times people's money conversations come up with the event ticket price, but yet they see that VIP sold out and they are like, how can I get a VIP ticket? Mm So it's just you, we know how the human brain works. And when you're coming from a place of being authentic and you're throwing an event truly because like your reason of throwing event really, really needs to be authentic as well.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. People can feel that.
0: Mm -hmm. And as far as, um, the VIP like situation, like I think a lot of people don't understand, like what's the difference between regular tenants vip how do they establish that vip level so what are some ideas you have for people listening that may want to do this and i'm excited especially for business development people who are listening in companies because i think there is so much power in creating a live event and getting the right people in the room if you're a business you're in a business and you're advancing that business in some way so what would be a vip level distinction how do we create that
1: Yeah. And you know, you're right about that. Like i I feel events and in-person connection, no matter what industry you're in is so powerful. Mm -hmm. And that's what we as humans want and need. So anyone listening to this, that's never even maybe thought about an event. It's like, okay, well, how can I create that in-person connection that will ultimately be helping humanity, but also be helping my business Mm -hmm. and my connection Mm -hmm. with other people. But as far as the VIP distinction, it's just what, what are they going to get that they wouldn't get with general admission. So why are they going to pay that extra price? Whether it's, people do all different things, whether it's seating or an extra like goodie bag, or they get some sort of meet and greet. Um, They get your course, they get whatever it is. You just, it's just more
0: value for them. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, what are some fun ways that you've increased attendance and what are some fun different things you've done with your event? Cause I know you yourself are an incredible speaker and you're probably curating all the time. Like who's the right people to have outside of sponsors, but actually people on stage. Um, what are some fun, innovative ways that you've made your events different? Hmm.
1: Again, I think about how I want people to feel when they're there and when they leave. Okay. Okay. And so that that is an easier way to come up with amazing ideas and what you want to do. I really, really love experiences. I'm all of us, you know, whatever career that you're in or you're in school or whatever it is, you're always, you know, you're in a room taking notes, right? And then how much of those notes do you take home and really apply? Mm Mm-hmm. So it's also the balance of the information. I create the thing that sets my events apart is uh, for me, I know, I know what women want and need. I'm a woman and I ask, I ask people like, what would you want in an event? What, what, what would get you? There's 10 events in front of you. Why do you choose this one over that one? So it's again, getting curious, getting in partnership, you're in partnership with your attendees as well.
0: Mm. And so. Oh, no, yeah. I'm curious. Like, how did you escalate? How'd you escalate? Have you heard me be <laughs> saying this? I'm so obsessed with it with Nick. <laughs> yeah, I was with you. And yeah, you that's what I thought. So <laughs> guys who are listening, I've been all about like, very interesting phrases. So How'd you escalate, girl, from an event to a business? Because I'm guessing people are listening and they're like, okay, I want to turn this event into a business. So how did you create that bridge from that first live event where you didn't have that many Instagram followers? You enrolled people in your vision. You got the sponsors. You got the space. You went insane in like a three-month period. God bless you, Sarah Pendrick. And now... You want to turn it into a business because you really care about whatever it is that that message is that you put out there for you. It was women supporting women for other, you know, for the lawyer listening that does divorce, like she wants to help people bounce back and be protected in the wake of their divorce. Or, you know, maybe it's the tennis instructor that wants tennis clients and they want to do an event on the power of physical exercise, like whatever it is, how do they then turn that into a sustained business?
1: So for me, a great thing that I definitely did not do at my first event, but I learned is to have something to enroll them into after. So whether it's a program or another event or a membership, um, a chance to work with you because they're in it and they see the value and they're excited and they can go home and two days later they lose the momentum or whatever it is. So it's really, really great to also have something that they can get enrolled to at the event.
0: Okay. Okay. So selling at the event and this kind of brings me like to this topic that I personally have not mastered. I'm curious, like selling on stage. So, let's say somebody right now even wants an event of 20 people or or 30 or 100. What are some ways that people who are listening can kind of think about selling a service or a product from stage? Because to me, for somebody who's new, I mean, they've already put the event together. That's so impressive for a new intrapreneur in a company or an entrepreneur who wants to leave their company. But what are some thoughts to consider before they get on stage and sell a product or a service?
1: So... There's so, as everything, there's so many different opinions. Yeah. Uh, Again, it's knowing your audience and knowing who's there. Mm -hmm. I remember getting advice from a male perspective of selling on stage, and it was a very urgent, urgent drive. You're not going to get it till this. And I do believe in urgency, but it didn't align with the energy that, is of me. So if I'm going to be on stage doing something that doesn't feel authentic to me, then I'm not going to enroll anyone into the next level that I have planned for them that comes after the event. So it's really thinking about how you get to enroll them and enroll them into their vision for their life and what they're so excited about during the event. So for me, you could really start off really simple and depending what it is, you're like, Hey, you guys, You get an opportunity to work with me after this. I'm only taking X amount of spots and I'm offering this to you first. I think that's a great place to start. I also think, you know, there's so many different things out there that, you know, I don't align with like the fire hose or, you know, I want people, especially if you're going out of a business like this and you're going to be working with them personally, like you want them to be enrolled. You don't want them to walk away and be like, what did I just do? Because you also want to work with clients that want to get to the next level that really didn't, that didn't enroll because of urgency. And then you're working with after they're trying to get out of it.
0: Got it. So interesting. And what has the role of events played in your Instagram following your social media impact, the conversation you're having online? Like have these events been like a huge growth tool? Um, because sometimes I think are these live Is everybody's sharing the live event and that's expanding your reach. Like what do you think ultimately led to your larger reach on social media along yeah, with so these
1: events? One, there's different styles of events too that I want to say with this is I love events and I, it it is something that comes somewhat natural to me. Mm -hmm. So for me, I love doing it. I love going to events. That's where my life change was attending events. So even anyone that's listening is like, I I don't have a vision to have this massive event, but I really do want to get clients and I want to bring people in my industry together. So that's great. 50 people events, 20 people events, hundred people events. It's the same. You're making the same impact. So I don't want anyone to get discouraged listening. Like, Oh, I don't have a, have a vision for a massive event. I love doing the meetups. It also, I have had women in all different spaces come and do meetups and magic happens out of that. And there's 40 women there. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to say that for in general, because you, you get to be in the career that you're in and also, light yourself up and bring other people in your industry together in whatever way that you want to, as far as with my following and, um, everything with, and yeah, events definitely started it, but it wasn't just the catalyst. Like I do so many, I did so many collaborations. Um, I was again, maniac on a mission. I would reach out to publications. I had the, I was in for the event, oh, that was another thing. I reached out to everyone in L.A. to cover the event. Wow. You have to take every stone. Like, don't leave one stone unturned and just see. Don't think, like, don't get discouraged. It will happen, but there's always another way. So it's not just press. the conventional.
0: What'd you say? You reached out to press. So, like, news yeah. stations? And who would you reach out to at the news stations? The editor?
1: News stations? Um, I... Got. I remember getting help with from contacts because again, it's like, who do you know who's in your network? Sometimes people don't go for the low hanging fruit. Like, Hey, who like loves you and is running towards you and wants to help you. You don't know you, who knows what their connections are, or what they'd be willing to do. You just have to ask. Mm-hmm. So for news stations um, that actually came to me through just connections and friends. Mm -hmm. And once people see you doing these things and seeing you asking and seeing you being unapologetic, they also come to you and they're drawn to you because they want to do the same in their life. So it's kind of like you're giving by taking this risk for what you want to put on to connect people and the universe is rewarding you back. But as far as press, yeah, I would literally just reach out, like go on the website, reach out to a few people, let them know what you're doing, get in partnership with them, get different collabs, reach out to people on Instagram. Some of my closest friends that I wanted that like-minded tribe I've met from Instagram.
0: So amazing. Oh, Sarah, you are a magical creature. I don't understand like... You know, like it's interesting cuz I know to you it sounds really obvious and that's how it usually is when you're masterful at something is it sounds obvious for you, but even for me listening it's like this is definitely not my zone of genius. Like I hide on the internet and create audiences behind my computer. <laughs> yeah. And listening to you, I just I'm so inspired for all the women who are listening especially who feel a cause co- close to their heart that they want to get the word out and maybe they see a business in it and I know it's a big journey, but I think it's such an exciting one. Is there a type of personality you see as really being the ideal candidate for this? For throwing events? Yeah. No,
1: I think I didn't even, I was terrified of public speaking. That's another thing that I created my own stage and now I'm a public speaker. On my first event, I talked for five minutes and I was shaking and I thought about it for two weeks leading up to it. Like it felt like, it felt like, just death to me i'm like oh my gosh how am i gonna do this and then once i did it it just unleashed this whole other side of like wow i had another purpose that i didn't even know about Mm -hmm. so any woman any man anyone can do this there's Mm -hmm. not just one type there's not just one of anything
0: oh sarah Sarah, this is so good thank you so much for this where can everybody find you
1: on Instagram at Girl Talk Network. And then our website is girltalknetwork.org.
0: Yes. And you guys check her out for her events. I'm going to be there. I'm so excited for what's to come. And I'm so excited for everybody who listens to this and actually thinks I'm going to go create an event. That's am- amazing.
1: Yeah. Or create your event online, whatever it is. You j- you have more reset re- more resources than you think.
0: Oh, amazing. amazing. Okay. Thank you again for being here, my friend. I love you, I love you so much. I love you too. Hey guys, it's Ash here just thinking about this post-episode conversation with Sarah Pendrick and it brought up so much for me because, you know, Sarah is a really close friend and like a handful of my girls, she's an influencer on the gram. And I don't know, That's it's. I've been having all these breakthroughs lately about how much I'm not wanting to be that. And when I say that, it's like I have no judgment on you know having an audience on Instagram and all of that. And if that happens for me and my journey just as it makes sense with my book or the things like this podcast, that's really cool. But I'm noticing how much lately I've been tapping into who I really am, my essence. And this is what I really want to talk to you about as it relates to your clarity and your career and who you really want to be. Um, Because as you're hearing Sarah Pendrick talk about how often she posts and the way she navigates being an influencer, it's like that's her world. But in your world, it's like... I had a client on the phone for career coaching this morning, and she, like a lot of people with careers, she wanted clarity, but she was feeling like she didn't know what job title she belonged in. And I think that this is a very common pain point where people think that there's a job title they need to figure out that they're supposed to be doing. And what I've learned is that it's not about figuring out what job title you want. It's about figuring out your essence, who you really are, what you're really great at, where your natural talents are and understanding that there are thousands of different jobs that could suit that and that careers are not one straight line, but they're a wobbly, wiggly, everywhere line, but ideally they're going upwards. You're always going up and that opportunity is there for you as long as you're honing your skills. And when I think about my own essence, I think about the fact that I love communicating, that I love people, that one of my core values is connection, that one of my core values is growth. And um, when you think about communicating, people, connection, growth. That can look like a lot of things. That could look like an author, which is what I'm up to. That could look like a podcast host, which is what I'm up to. That could look like a speaker. That could also look like the head of a business development team at a company. That could also look like a talent agent. There's so many things I could be doing, but it starts with really getting clear on what's your essence? Like where do you, what skills are you using that bring you to life and really getting clear on that and not being afraid. To own that. And one of the things that I'm letting go of the fear of owning right now is the truth that I identify as a creative. Um, And I started to get more clear on this when I was out in the Middle East um, back in April with 50 different TV executives and TV show writers. And for the first time in a long time, I was on a trip with people in business that weren't in my coaching self-help space. And it becomes so isolated and I kind of forget like people are not up to this. And so for the first time in a group of business owners or TV writers or whatever, I was the first and only self-help writer in the group. And I remember, you know, just identifying with these people in the group in a way that my friends haven't identified with me or haven't connected or understood me. And I kept asking myself, what is it? And I realized it's a part of their essence that my essence knows too. And that part of them is like extraordinary creativity. They're very imaginative. They're very visual, visual. like they see things and they turn it into TV shows. And I see the world in that way too. And so one thing I've been experimenting with is turning U-turn book into a movie and meeting with talent agents to work on that because I'm just so hungry to express myself. And that's what I think life is about for me is self-expression. And so a couple questions I want to leave you with at the end of this episode is what is your essence? And so really start to write down, like, what are the things that are your essence and all the different careers you could be up to just so that you have it in your awareness? And secondly, um, what would it look like if you really owned that and really played with it, what would you do if you could really, really play full out with your essence and you gave yourself permission? So, you know, just some thoughts in my head. I am in my house walking in circles, avoiding my book right now because I'm in such deep writer's block that I figured why not record nine post-episode com- um thoughts <laughs> instead of writing a chapter five of my book. So that thank you for joining me in my quest for resistance and deep thoughts. I'm so grateful for you and I hope you remember you're so much bigger than the box that you tend to maybe put yourself in and that your essence is timeless, it's expansive, and it can fit so many boxes. Um, So free yourself up, give yourself permission, and I can't wait to connect with you soon.